Hey everybody, it is episode 155 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is Chris coming at you from Austin, Texas. Excited for this episode where we're going to talk today about the half marathon. I've been talking recently a lot about mental strategies as well as pacing strategies and race day tips for the marathon. And I've had several people email in and said, hey, would love all of that information, but for the half marathon And so we're going to get to that with today's episode. Before we jump into that, we're going to talk a little bit about this past weekend in racing. We had not only the New York Marathon, but also I had a race on Sunday, a 10-mile race that I did here in Austin that I wanted to chat a little bit about. So first, let's talk about New York. We had Obviously, amazing races on Sunday for those that tuned in, and thanks to all those who listened to my preview podcast, which came out on Friday night. I was relatively pleased with my predictions in terms of how things played out on the women's side. I did get the three women I picked in the top four, and actually in the right order, but my winning pick, Mary Kitani, was spoiled by... The debutante, Jocelyn Jepkoskai, who ended up getting the win in a time that was just shy of a course record. And as she ran away from Mary Katani at the end of the race, which was probably a surprise to me, but maybe not that big of a surprise considering that she is the half marathon record holder. And then, of course, on the men's side, my, my pick ended up winning. And then we had two two lesser-known names and rounding out the podium. And then my top two and three ended up finishing fourth and fifth in Tola and Katata, who, who just didn't have the gear shifting when Kamaror bought, put, the, put the hammer down late in the race. And I will actually be doing a more complete recap of the race as I digest things. I'm not sure if it'll be its own episode or I'll, I'll do it associated with next week's episode, but I did want to give a couple of thoughts today on New York just as quick immediate reactions, and then want to talk a little bit about the race I did yesterday. First reaction, which carried over from last year's race as well, is that overall I think the TV coverage was was better than last year, and I think Shalane did an amazing job in the booth, and it was great to have Three women helping call the race, including Shalane, Carrie Tollefson, and Paula Radcliffe, who were on those lead buses. And I think Shalane really carried the dialogue in many ways in the main booth with John Anderson and Tim Hutchings. And so overall, I think the, the commentary was upgraded this year, which was good. But there was still that that issue, that frustrating issue, where they just didn't cover us a lot, especially of the women's race. And it seemed like in key moments they were cutting away to other interviews. And I get the need to tell the human interest stories and to interview Brittany from, you know, the person who the movie Brittany Runs the Marathon was based off of. Or I think they even jumped in to interview Tyler Cameron, the former bachelor at Runner Up, who was actually running New York. And so while I get the need to do those things, I just don't quite understand why they can't do a split screen and show the elite women at the same time that they're making those cutaways. It's just, 
it's just frustrating. I know that technology is there. They're doing a lot of that split screen coverage now in, in different ways and different sports, including golf now, which will have even that split screen pop up during commercials. So, so I'd like to see that in the marathon so that we can at least keep an eye on that front group of women, especially, especially for the women's race, because otherwise the way things end up playing out, it doesn't get the coverage that it's due as you know as the men's race is also heating up late in the race and so that's my biggest desire or at least uh area of opportunity i would say for the tv coverage is just to maybe use that split split screen technology and maybe on the margin to give the women more coverage than they did i think it was the Twitter handle Fast Women tweeted a question. Just I wonder what the, the timing was on each uh, the breakdown of each of the races from the women's race to the men's race. And somebody had volunteered on Twitter to go figure that out, rewatch the broadcast, and actually do the math on that. So I'm curious to see how that math shakes out because at first brush, it definitely seems like the women's race didn't get its due as it should. And you know, even the men's race late, you know, probably didn't get its due either as it was as they were cutting away to others. And so that's a little quibble, I would say. But overall, I appreciate the effort that ESPN makes to to try to bring this marathon to the masses. And while it's not perfect and can still be improved, I think what they've done in terms of the commentators is really good the just the fact that they're giving the marathon a slot on ESPN2 on a Sunday morning I think is huge and so all of that is a step in the right direction and there's just opportunity to continue to make it better and to me that's just one small request (laughs) one small change could make things huge make a huge difference of just having that split screen pop up so you can at least see what's happening especially in that women's race, even if they're not necessarily commentating on it or showing the sound in that moment. So that's one small request. And hey, when you're bouncing around on Twitter, you can call for those changes and maybe ESPN will listen or you know write them a letter or whatever it may be. Because I feel like they would have to be open to that sort of feedback and, and they've already made some small steps to make to make things better and it'd be good to see that continue to progress because getting a, a race like that on ESPN is huge for us and it's a big opportunity to showcase the sport and I think they can just continue to get better at it. So that's one point and just a little bit of constructive feedback but also appreciation for ESPN. The second thing I wanted to react to is Desiree Linden's race. Obviously, she finished very well, finishing sixth, and in many ways made the race early on, leading from about the mile 9.2, about the mile 12 point, keeping the pace honest there. It's kind of interesting to me that I've seen a lot of commentary that that was somehow out of character for Des to take the lead, but I'm not sure that it is, to be honest. You know, Des has always been someone that has thrived off of a consistent pace and off of keeping things honest. So we've often seen her 
run her own race within the race. And sometimes that means sliding back a little bit if there are surges in the main pack. Sometimes that has me that has meant going off the front for a little bit until the pack kind of regains its rhythm. And so I'm not sure that it's a huge surprise. Des did say in a tweet afterwards that her mantra for the day or her the thing she was thinking about was swing away, meaning, you know, swing for the fences, take chances. And you know, I think that early pace where she was on, I think it was something like 222, 223 low pace early on, was evidence of her swinging away, especially on a good day. She paid for a little bit over the second half, but still managed to hang on for that first American spot in sixth overall in a really, really solid time. I think it ended up being the fourth fastest time ever by an American at New York behind Kara, Shalane, and Molly Huddle. So that's pretty good company. So by swinging away, she ended up getting a solid result. And But again, I don't necessarily think that that's out of character for Des. I think she's always been one who's been willing to run her own race within the race. And it was great to see that happen. Of course, Kellen Taylor almost caught her at the end of the race as she finished seventh, just a couple seconds back as she ran out of real estate to catch up with Des. So great race from both of those athletes, and I think that bodes well for them going into this trials prep season. Now, Des has, to this point, been noncommittal about her desire to do the trials, and she said, but she said she would make that decision within the next couple of weeks based on how she does in recovery. So we'll be looking out to see if she's going to to toe the line in Atlanta on February 29th, 2020. After seeing this result and seeing the risk that she took in this race, I just, I, I, I have a feeling at this point that she will end up doing it because, you know, why not? And, uh, you know, I think Des at this point has nothing to lose in her career and can really essentially make those choices that she wants to make, which means she doesn't necessarily have to do the trials or make an Olympic team in order for her legacy to be cemented in the world of marathoning. But at the same time, why wouldn't you take that opportunity to compete with the best in the U.S. and see what you have left there and potentially win the associated prize money if you know if if you could do that and then still come back and do Boston. So I have this sense that we'll still see Des in Atlanta on February 29th. So and and honestly I would love to see it. I think she would help make that race. So I'm rooting for her to do the race and I think many people are as she always makes things interesting and if she does show up would be a runner that I think would be in the top 3. To be honest, if she's on the starting line, in my opinion, Des will be in the top three. So I hope we see that. So that's so. There's a couple takeaways. One takeaway that was nuts from the men's race is this citizen racer, this athlete from the main field who ended up on the podium at New York. This Ethiopian athlete who ran, I think it was close to a seven-minute personal best in order to get the top three at New York. I mean, that's just absolutely insane and and was fun to see as he was threatening Jeffrey Kamroor and and career at the end and and so just completely totally nuts that this guy 
last name Gebre ended up in the top three coming out of this the, the main field, the citizens field. And so apparently this guy's sponsorless, doesn't have an agent, is just running for himself. He won $55,000 finishing third in New York. His name's Germa Bikaley Gebre and, and just had the race of his life from the main field to sneak on the podium. So that was kind of a cool storyline from the day as well. But I will recap all the details of New York either on a, a special recap episode or potentially as a part of my intro for the next episode we sell C. So look out for that. Additionally, today I wanted to talk about the race that I did yesterday, a 10-mile race here in Austin called the Run for the Water. For those that are longtime listeners, this is a race that I tried to, and I've been long trying to break 60 minutes in this race. It's a hilly, hilly 10-miler in Austin that is a really challenging course, especially in the middle miles from 2 to mile 6 or so. So... Tough, tough course, tough race, and I've finished between 60 minutes and 61 minutes now, I think, six times in trying to break that sub-60 barrier and was racing it again this this past, this yesterday, just Sunday, and uh, I knew that in this case that 60 barrier was not going to be in reach just because of the way my training has been set up as I've been coming back from that 50-mile race in August I, I just don't have that sharpness back and I've been super patient about getting it back, being patient about rebuilding my miles and kind of rebuilding the speed post 50 miler. So I knew that that sub 60 barrier was going to be too much to reach for on the day, but I had hoped to still have a solid race and, and, you know, be proud of my performance. I'm also currently doing what's called the Austin Distance Challenge, which is a series of five races that started with a 5K back in September that builds up to the Austin Marathon in February, which is my next big goal, Austin Marathon in February. And so this was the second race in that series. And so I'm also in competition in that series to try to compete with other people on cumulative time across those five races. So that that's a little bit of subtext as well to this race is is a head-to-head competition actually now between me and one other runner here in Austin to try to to try to win the series on cumulative time for those five races. So I went to this one really with a lot of uncertainty, not really knowing where my speed is. Again, haven't felt super sharp in training, but I've also been super patient about trying to rebuild that back. And the last time I really raced hard on the roads in a way that I had a specific goal that really mattered to me was the California International Marathon last December. And while I did do a couple of road races this late summer, including a two and a half mile relay race that I did uh, after right after Labor Day, and then this 5K I did back in September, other than those races, haven't had a lot of big road races you know with specific goals since that marathon last December and so coming into this one I really had a lot of uncertainty and everybody was asking me what's your goal what's your goal and 
my goal really wasn't as much time based as it was. I just wanted to run the race a certain way and finish strong. And the timing was interesting because I went to a talk this week, this past week at the University of Texas where Brene Brown was talking and she had a lot of good things to say. And if you haven't already watched her TED talk on the power of vulnerability, I would go Google that and find it. But she had a lot of interesting things to say. And in particular, she was talking about athletes and and how you sort of dare to be great as an athlete and how do coaches help athletes dare to be great. And one of the things she, she said was that, you know, people don't realize that they that you can be both brave and scared in the exact same moment and in some ways fear is a prerequisite for bravery so so that quote was really with me on the start line this week because I didn't know what I was capable of given I had don't have a lot of evidence of what I'm capable of post this 50 miler on the roads And yet, I also knew this race well. I knew how to approach it, had a very, even if the plan wasn't specific in terms of paces, I knew how I needed to feel at each point in this race. And so I was going to execute this race by effort, essentially, and then let the time kind of fall where it may. So I was very much in this place on the start line of being, of, of both having some fear because I wasn't sure where I could be or where I was since it's been a while since I've raced on the roads like this and also at the same time being brave knowing that you know I've been here before I've done this race I know how to approach it I know the course well I I knew how to execute a plan on the race to get the most out of myself if I was going to and and then I did it and while uh, while, you know, again, I, I don't think I had a specific outcome in mind. I think I did text one of my runners who asked me before the race. And she said, hey, what's your goal? And I said, look, I'll be happy with anything under 62 minutes, which is absolutely true. But more than that, it was really about executing the race in a certain way. And I was going to be most happy based on executing the race in a certain way. And that's what I did. I was able to run the race exactly that I would like to run, getting out at an honest effort for the first couple of miles, but staying in control, rolling through the hills and being aggressive on the downhills, particularly and managing the uphills and then trying to close strongly. And uh, I was able to do that and, and pull pull back some time in those final three and a half miles where things kind of flattened out and I was able to negative split this one I think my first for first five miles was about 31 minutes my second five miles was just under 30 29 and change and felt really good at the end really strong definitely in in a lot of ways left it all out on the course which is always a good feeling felt really good about it was able to pull back some time in the distance challenge so so that was that was also a a secondary goal of mine with this race and it all it all worked out well and while again 60 minutes wasn't in the cards this time 
it definitely it will be in the future and i've penciled in going for it next next year in this race as as i still want to still want to get that goal even though i'm getting a little bit older so it it uh it went well but you know the takeaways for me that i could pass on to you is that again it's okay to be both afraid and brave on the start line of in fact to me that's a sign that both your goal is big enough and worthy enough that's where that fear comes from but also simultaneously that you can be prepared to execute your plan and let the the chips fall where they may so that's one word of encouragement and you know the second is that if you execute your race well and even if it's not necessarily based on a specific time goal or pace per mile you can also work it from an effort standpoint and still and still achieve good things on the day and i think a course like this one a hilly course particularly particularly lends itself to that kind of a race plan one that's more based on effort than than perhaps specific paces and so that's another thing to keep in mind for those who might be doing races this fall this winter that you know you can you can also develop a race plan based on efforts and not so much based on pace and that's that's also an okay approach so that's a little update on my training the next race in the series is mid-december it's a half marathon here in austin called the decker challenge so i'll be doing that which is exciting i may end up also doing a turkey trot 10k in houston uh, on thanksgiving so that may be in the cards as well and then i've got another half in the series in january the 3m half here in austin and then i'll be racing the austin marathon hopefully by that point going for a pr in the marathon this coming february so those are my goals as we build from this 50 mile to regain that speed on the road so i will keep you posted on all that so hopefully you can follow along a little bit in that journey all right let's go to my topic today i want to talk about the half marathon and again gotten a lot of emails of those of you interested in me covering a little bit more on the half marathon distance as I spend a lot of time covering the marathon distance and I wanted to start this discussion by just making a case for the half marathon you know, I think a lot of people in our world maybe think of the half marathon distance as a lesser distance somehow than the marathon and while it is half the distance in my opinion, it's as worthy of a distance in terms of goal setting. And in many ways, it's a mandatory or required distance to to race if you're going to be your best at the marathon distance for those who are doing both. But for even those who are not doing the the marathon distance, I want you to be to be proud of your half marathon results. Don't no need to caveat them or couch them in any way against the marathon because a well-run half marathon in my opinion can be just as hard and just a just as worthy a pursuit as a well-run marathon and for those that are doing marathons i would encourage you to 
make sure you're incorporating half marathon cycles within your annual planning so that you can work on that end of the range as well as the marathon end of the range because you'll be a better marathoner if you're a better half marathoner and we've actually had a a an exchange recently with some of our podcast virtual training group members that were trying to plan their next season in the spring and I made the case was making the case to them after coming off marathon cycles to get to the half marathon so that they can improve on those times before going back up to the marathon. And, you know, for those of you that are going after Boston qualifiers, as an example, you know, I, th- I think you want to also look at your half marathon PR to ask yourself whether or not you're ready to make that step towards a Boston qualifier. Because if your if your half marathon isn't matched up so to speak, with your marathon target, if with that BQ target, meaning you know the we haven't hit the equivalent half marathon time that you would need to earn that marathon time based on the calculators, then that's a sign that you should probably go back down and spend some time working the half so that when you do go to the marathon, you're more prepared for it. So, So that's just a little bit of a case for the marathon. It is a worthy distance. It is a difficult distance to get right. And it's one that requires, if you're going to be good at it, as much work and diligence and planning as the marathon if you're really focusing there. So hopefully that's a little bit of encouragement for those of you that are looking at the half marathon distance. So I want to talk about five different topic areas related to the half marathon today as we jump into this discussion and some of these things will overlap in some ways with the marathon or at least you might hear some similar themes but I want to talk about how those things are tailored to the half marathon distance in order to optimize that distance. So let's talk about first tapering for a half marathon and what that looks like. And, you know, normally for a marathon, we're talking about a two to three week taper. For a half marathon, in my opinion, you can really think about a one to two week taper. And if I had to vote as a coach, I probably would lean towards a one week taper for most individuals for the half marathon, just because I want runners to to maintain that sharpness for as long as possible and you just don't need the same kind of taper the same kind of recovery period before a half marathon as you do for the marathon and and if I'm going to advise athletes on a one-week taper for the half marathon typically what I would recommend is just that they take their volume down in that last week before the race by about 80 percent or to about 80 percent so cut it by about 20% in that week before the race so that you can then be ready to lock and load for race day itself. So cut mileage 20%, go to about 80% of total volume that week. And of course in that week, you know, I still recommend doing some sort of speed workout, some sort of light speed workout so that you maintain that part of your routine. But obviously that wouldn't be a fitness building workout, but would rather be what I like to call a sanity workout. Basically that that thing that keeps the routine, that keeps your mind from going crazy and your legs sharp and ready for race day. 
I have a, a cadre, a group of different sanity workouts that I will use in, in the final week before a race. But probably my favorite two, one would be more track oriented if that's what you prefer, would just be simply a 10 times 400 workout on the track with plenty of rest, 60 to 90 seconds between 400s where you start out and do four at half marathon pace, four at 10K pace, and then the final two reps at 5K pace, all smooth, in control, never pressing too much. But again, just to keep the legs sharp and the mind fresh in that final race week. I also will potentially employ a couple of different fartlek workouts where you can either do something like a 90 second on two minute easy fartlek where you're alternating between 90 seconds at half marathon effort and two minutes easy or potentially doing a fartlek where you're doing five minutes on at marathon potentially down to half marathon pace with several three to four minutes easy between each again as you think about what that might look like what matters less is where you like building fitness, but rather just what you think will help you stay sharp, stay fresh, keep your mind sane, and also give you an opportunity to be smooth in control and just build confidence in that race week. So that's the kind of thing you want to do. It doesn't really matter exactly what it looks like as long as you feel good about it, finish strong, stay in control. And don't mess anything up by going too fast, which is the only thing you really want to avoid is just doing anything that will dig a hole for yourself going into race day. So that's what I would recommend for most people is that one week taper again, cutting mileage by 20% and then just doing one simple sanity workout that week while trying to keep your routine as consistent as possible. For those who might think they would need a little bit more taper, a two-week taper, then I would think about it like this, where you cut cut back about 15% of total mileage in that second week out, and then cut back another 15% in race week to about 70% of total mileage. Again, trying to maintain your routine, maintain the days you normally do all of your work, but just cutting back the total volume. And then keeping, again, a sanity workout in that final week. Some people ask me about race weekend. And I'm someone who likes to have a shakeout run the day before the race. So I like to do anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes the, the day before with some strides to follow. Again, just to keep the legs sharp and fresh and, and get the blood flowing in that day before. So I've got, if I'm going to take a day off. Typically, it'll be two days before, and then I'll do a shakeout run the day before, and then obviously do the race itself. And so that's 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 my recommendation on on tapering, which is pretty straightforward. There's not a lot to that, and I wouldn't overthink it as as you you don't really need to. So that's taper. So that's one topic. Wanted to also talk about the second topic, which would be warm up for a for a half marathon and what that could look like. 
And so what does warm-up look like? And again, this is different because for a marathon, typically I don't do a warm-up at all. You know, maybe some light walking just to get the leg flowing, legs moving, blood flowing that morning up. But for a half marathon, I think you have an opportunity to potentially warm up and and really you should because you want to be primed and ready to go as you got to jump jump into it a little bit quicker than you do with a marathon. So what does that look like? And again, you know, it really should depend on your own routine. But let me tell you what it roughly looks like for me. And my warm-up will vary a little bit depending on the weather. On a warm weather day, I'll typically lean towards a shorter warm-up. On a cooler weather day, I'll lean towards a slightly longer warm-up as it takes a little bit more to get my legs going on a cold morning. But usually what I'll do, again, depending on weather, is one to two miles of easy running to begin the warm-up process. And then oftentimes if I have the space for it, if I have the opportunity for it, I like to do two times 90 seconds to two minutes right after that easy jogging at about half marathon effort. I find for me that works a little bit better than strides to get things going because they're just a little bit longer. So two times 90 seconds to two minutes at about half marathon effort then I personally will do some drills to get the lights turned on. A uh, common routine that I have, which would include things like high knees, butt kicks, side to side karaoke, heel toe walks, that sort of thing. And and then I'll finish, depending on timing, with some strides to kind of finish things out. And then I'll head to the start line. Now, depending on how all of the logistics are that that warm-up routine might take slightly different forms because you might have in a big race like Toronto half which I just did you may not have that opportunity to do the same sort of things as I just talked about because for example there I didn't have really the real estate to go do those 90 second to two minute efforts but I did have the opportunity to to do about a mile easy jog to the start and then some drills and some strides before I went to the start line. So, so that's, so again, it's going to vary a little bit depending on your logistics for race morning, but those are the components that I like to see in a warm up. One to two miles easy jog, varying that depending on the temperatures, potentially some 90 second to two minute efforts at about race effort with some easy jogging in between, then some drills, and then some strides, and get to the start and get ready to go. That's personally the formula that works for me, and I will change the configuration depending on the logistics at the start line if needed. But more than anything, it's important to do what you can to get those lights turned on so that when the gun goes off, you're ready to go. You know, versus in a, in a marathon, I want to use those early miles to kind of warm up because of the distance you're trying to cover. Rather, But in a half marathon, you got to get onto the pace a little bit sooner and quicker. So it's just helpful to get the legs ready to go and fired up before you hit that start line. So that's my second topic. So taper, then warm up. Then I want to talk about pacing. As we've talked about with the marathon, 
pacing in the half marathon also really really important and in general with the half marathon i also recommend that you shoot for a negative split running the second half faster than the first half now how aggressive you are in your negative split i think depends a little bit on experience and just like with the marathon where i gave you some ranges ranges on how to think about that i'll do the same here and the 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 plan i'm going to give you is based on a flat race obviously if you have some hills and terrain then you have to customize this plan based on that terrain but this is based on a flat race and so what i like to see with a the general structure of a half marathon race strategy is kind of your three sections it would be three sections one to be your start anywhere from one to three miles of easing down to half marathon pace and then anywhere from from nine to seven miles of steady state holding half marathon pace and then a three mile close in the final three miles after mile 10 so that's the the rough blueprint that you want to follow and we're going to talk through each of those chunks in turn here the first chunk you're going to get started and i recommend that you start somewhere between 10 and 20 seconds slower than half marathon pace per mile in that first mile after you get started just like with the marathon you want to warm into it a little bit kind of work down to that pace and by doing so you're conserving energy that you can that you can use to close things out later so you're going to start a little bit slower anywhere from 10 to 20 seconds per mile slower in that first mile and then over the course of one to three miles you're going to work down to that target pace and for those more advanced half marathoners i think you could get back you can get there to that target base as soon as mile two for the for the less experienced half marathoners then i would encourage you to work down over a little longer period potentially taking as long as three miles to get down to your target pace and so it could look like you running about 20 seconds slow in mile one somewhere between five and 15 seconds slow in mile two and then get to target half marathon pace by mile three as one option but either way you want to kind of progress down to find that target pace and then in that middle section just really try to hold and hold as consistently as you can trying to remember that it's all about relaxed running so all of the rules that i talk about in terms of relaxation and trying to find a rhythm and be efficient apply that I talk about in the marathon apply also here in the half marathon albeit of course at a faster pace but you want to try to burn as little energy as possible from mile two till about mile 10 or mile three to mile 10 for some of you holding that target half marathon pace as consistently as you can and then over the final section that final three miles that's when you have the opportunity to close things out and hopefully progress a little bit as you go. Now, for some of you, you may decide to go with only maybe a two-mile close. I tend to like to have a three-mile close, a three-mile finish, 
where you pick it up a little bit at each of those mile markers over the final three miles, progressing gradually so that you can then empty the tank in the final mile and really try to close strongly in that final mile. I was, I just did the Toronto half as a workout myself, but I had the opportunity to run with one of my Austin runners and we had a plan for her to close over the final three miles. And once we got to, it was about 16 K there in Toronto. That's when we hit roughly that 10 mile point. And I looked over at her, her name's Lauren. And I said, all right, Lauren, it's time to go. And it was funny because she thought I was talking about me that I was going to leave her. But so she said, bye, we'll see you later. And I said, no, no, you're coming with me. It's, it's, it's time for us to go. And then we were able to progress together for her to, to earn a PR there, the half over the final three miles in that last mile there in Toronto, which slightly, slightly uphill was actually her fastest of the race, which was really fun to see. But you can absolutely close out a half if you've started appropriately and given yourself that opportunity to kind of warm into the pace, find that target pace in the middle, and then close things out over the final three miles. So that's the third topic. And now let's talk about the fourth topic as we talk about racing a half marathon. And I want to talk about nutrition and hydration. Nutrition and hydration to me is a little bit unique for a half because some of your strategy here will depend on, for better or for worse, how long it's going to take you to race the half. And I think there's really kind of a barrier of, of two hours. And for those that are racing less than two hours, then you could potentially think about one set of strategies. For those that are racing more than two hours, you have to think about a different set of strategies and it's just the reality of this distance and you know there's no shame in being slower than two hours or running a time that is greater than two hours but it does mean that you do have to just think about nutrition and hydration a little bit differently because you will be out there a little bit longer so what does that look like for those that are racing under two hours then I think you have more flexibility you could potentially consider a, a significantly reduced hydration and nutrition plan if that's something that sounds appealing to you. And so, for example, for me, racing a half marathon and my half marathon PR is one hour and 15 minutes. And, you know, typically I'm racing anywhere from one hour and 15 minutes to one hour and 25 minutes. Then I will typically not take any nutrition in the race and sometimes I won't even take hydration in the race because if you're if you're racing less than 90 minutes you really should have if you've done your job before the race you should have everything you need on board to fuel you as well as to have the hydration you need during the race and so you you might if that's your situation have the luxury of foregoing that altogether and not worrying about it now, for me, what I will do is really not plan to do any nutrition or hydration in run in a half marathon, but sometimes I might end up grabbing it if I just, if it sounds good or if, if, you know, the thirst calls for it in the race. And sometimes, particularly on cooler races, 
then I might get like dry mouth or cotton mouth, in which case sometimes throwing some water down actually helps wet my mouth and and make things a little bit more palatable from a breathing standpoint to have, you know, not that dry mouth kind of cotton mouth feeling. And so occasionally I'll reach for water for that purpose. Or if for whatever reason my body's just craving some sort of hydration, then I'll reach for it. But I can very much just think about drinking to thirst in that scenario. And I really think that applies all the way up to somebody who's doing up to two hours. Now, you know, in the, the latter half, 90 minutes to two hours, I think you then need to, you know, plan for that. And obviously, if you're going to do a half marathon in about that time, test out some some runs where you're not taking nutrition or hydration in under that two-hour window. Or if you do, maybe just try going hydration only because, you know, I think generally if you're running under two hours, you've got enough glycogen stored on your body to, you know, to use in the race. And so you can consider foregoing nutrition. But if you're in that 90 minute to two hour range, I think then you have to make a decision about how much you want to use and how you're going to use it and plan accordingly in your workouts. But you have potentially the flexibility to maybe use a hydration only strategy and perhaps forego nutrition in that window. And for a hydration only strategy in a half marathon, I think you can do it perhaps less frequently than you would in a marathon. Oftentimes in a marathon, I'll recommend that somebody hit the, the first water stop or the second water stop on the course and then get something from each water stop thereafter. In a half marathon, I think you can probably, depending on how the stops are spaced in your race, potentially hit grab something at every other stop or perhaps just drink to thirst within that 90 minute to two hour window and you know again if you're if you're deciding to forego nutrition I would play with that in your long runs up to two hours and just make sure that you're comfortable doing long runs up to that point without nutrition and then for everybody that's over two hours then I think you have to think about both nutrition and hydration and on the nutrition side, I would think of it similar to marathoning where you can just like just like with marathons, you can kind of think about that in run nutrition pretty much with the same set of formulas. Typically, as a reminder for a marathon, if you're doing gels or other sugar based options like chews, then I'll recommend somebody take something at an hour in. And then come back every 35 to 45 minutes to that gel or chew or whatever you may be using. And so you won't need to carry as much because you're going less time. But I would still come back to that same formulation as a baseline. And potentially on the margin err on the shorter end of those ranges because it is a half marathon. So if you wanted to instead of having your first gel at an hour maybe pull that up by 15 to to 10 to 15 minutes maybe do 45 to 50 minutes and then come back every 35 to 40 minutes maybe instead of every 45 minutes just because of the tightness of the windows but all the same rules apply there if you're going over two hours is use that in-run nutrition in about the same way you would for a marathon within a half marathon but it just means you can carry less because you're, you know, you're going out for less distance. Hydration wise, 
again, just like those that are running in that 90 minute to two hour range where, you know, hydration is still important, but perhaps you can, can, can manage it a little bit less than you might for a marathon. I think the same, same applies, but the longer you're going to be out there, the more you need to stay ahead of it. And again, that comes down to a very personal, personal decision-making about how you want that to play out in your race. But I would encourage you to drink early and often. And then in those final three miles, you can really play it by ear and drink to thirst as long as you're staying ahead of it early on. Again, that's for that over two hour half marathon, which, you know, is, you know, amazing no matter what time you're running. But just because you're out there longer, you do have to think about some other factors that those who might be running in a little less time might not have to think about. That's just the reality. So those are some some things to think about with nutrition and hydration. And again, for those under two hours, you might be able to forego it depending on how things work for you in a marathon. But just like with marathon training, you have to practice it. You have to try it out. You have to see how things work from one, one race to the next. At this point, I think I've run over 26 half marathons and so I've really I've tested it I've got it dialed in I know what works for me in the window that I'm racing in and I'm able to just go and execute that for those you know that have that experience draw upon it take your lessons from past races and apply them forward for those that don't have that experience then test things out in your long run then have a plan on race day execute that plan learn from it and then the next time you go out you'll have more information one thing i did want to comment on is if it is warm for your race then of course consider that you might need to adjust your plan accordingly and so for a race really that starts in a half marathon anywhere 60 degrees or north of that i think you need to potentially consider both pace modifications as well as some nutrition and hydration modifications just to make sure you're staying on top of those things. If the weather, if the temps are cooler than that, then you should be able to fly as normal. So that's nutrition, hydration. Let's talk a little bit now about the mental side of things because just like with the marathon, I think the mental side of things, and this is our fifth topic, the mental side of things is as important in a half marathon, although sometimes I think we neglect that planning for a half marathon because we think, oh, it's just just going to just a half marathon. I don't need to bring the same mental tools to the race as I do a marathon. So it's easy to maybe get lulled into a false sense of security. And I want to encourage you not to, to make sure you're doing your mental homework for a half, just like you would a marathon and really how you should for any race of any distance is making sure that you bring bring those mental tools to bear and in a half you know they look a lot like they should in a marathon but I want to give you a couple of things to to think about there one on purpose just like with the marathon I think for a half you need to also bring the concept of purpose to bear in a half think about what you want to achieve for the race if you have a goal whether it be a run a certain time or maybe just to finish, 
Think about what that goal means to you and why you want that goal so that you can really crystallize that in your mind before you show up on the start line. So purpose is still relevant even in a half marathon. And you know some of the other things I talk about, mantras, I think, again, also still important in a half marathon just like they would be in a marathon. Sometimes for a half, and, and as a reminder, in the marathon, I talk about two types of mantras, rhythm mantras and fight mantras. The rhythm mantras for the early part of the race where you're just trying to find a rhythm. Fight mantras for that final 10K where you're really trying to go to the well. And in a half marathon, I think the same concept can apply where you might have a rhythm mantra for that, those middle miles from, say, 2 to 10, and then a fight mantra for those final three. But sometimes I'll say this, I do simplify it for a, for a half marathon where I might just have one mantra that I want to try to use throughout the race in order to just be singularly focused on race day. Just as an example, this past weekend when I raced that 10 miler, which wasn't a half marathon, but in some ways kind of was similar, similar, just a little bit shorter in distance and I'm out there for over an hour. And the course was tough, so I knew it would require all the mental tool c- tools that I need, could bring to bear. I ended up just having one mantra in my head, which is a mantra that I've used in the past, which is just simply every second counts as a reminder just to not let up for any period, at least in terms of my plan. And there were certainly moments where I was climbing hills out there where I was feeling, you know, beat up, not feeling great feeling like the hills were going to get the best of me and had to keep that mantra in mind. Just don't relax. Just keep pressing up the hill. Every second counts. And then on the backside of those hills, you know, I was able to regain my breath, regain my mojo a little bit, but then keep that mantra in my head of every second counts. Now press the downhills. And then I kept it in my head all the way down the finishing straight as we as I kind of progressed over those final three miles at the end of that race. And so that one mantra was able to serve me well. And again, think about both concepts for the mantra fight mantra, but also realize that maybe for a half or for a race like a 10 miler, you might be able to simplify it and just pick one thing that's going to resonate with you. One theme that you want to carry with you throughout and just know that's an option as well. In a half marathon, again, all the other tools that I talk about also super relevant. Going fishing, I think in those final three miles, if you're doing your job in a half marathon, you should be able to pick up people, pick off people at the end. And so going fishing, also really relevant. I like the counting exercise. That's something, again, I used yesterday in my race especially over the final mile where I was just counting to 30 uh, over and over again, really trying to press. And there's particularly a small climb at the end of this race where you really just have to, to look ahead, keep driving and you want to slow down, but you can't, you know, you're in the final mile. And so I was using that counting exercise of just press for 30 seconds, count to 30 and then reset. And I did it again. And I probably did that 10 times in the race yesterday over the final three to four minutes or so as I was pressing to the line. 
And so that one I think is really relevant, may not be as relevant in a marathon, which is longer, but a half super relevant, the counting exercise, especially in those final couple of miles. And so those are some things to think about. And, you know, the other thing I want to mention here that I think is uniquely specific to half marathons, because half marathons might be something you, you end up doing a little more locally. You've got local half marathon options or you know, maybe, you know, you're, you're going to a race with some friends, but particularly for those local races, I think there's an opportunity to also just think about the racing concept a little bit more. Oftentimes with a marathon, when we're going out of town, maybe to race, or you're doing a marathon, even locally, you might not have a lot of people around you that you're familiar with, or because it's such a long race, the idea of racing in a marathon it really isn't something you can think about in the main pack but in a half marathon or a race like a 10 mile distance race I do think you can actually potentially use this concept of racing to get something out of yourself and particularly if you're consistent in racing locally and you might know those other people that are typically around you in a local race and maybe to think about trying to beat some people that might be around you, I think is, is really something to think about. Now, it doesn't mean you don't go and run your plan and be smart about your plan, but it just means that maybe at the end, when, when it's time to close, you're looking for maybe that familiar face who maybe beat you by a little bit in that last race, and you're going to try to get them in this race. And so this concept of not just going fishing to that anonymous person, but also racing that person you might know from the local racing scene, I think could be particularly powerful. And this is this is one reason why I like this series in Austin, the distance challenge, is because it allows you to find those people that are also competing in the distance challenge that will be close to you in the rankings and then go out and try to beat them on race day and know where they are and, and use that element in your strategy to get extra motivation. And it just adds a layer of fun it also adds a layer of, I think, the finding the ability to push yourself that you don't get necessarily by just pursuing an anonymous singlet ahead of you. And so that's something in a half marathon that I think you can actually use to your advantage, especially in those local half marathons. So that's something else to think about. So that's our fifth topic. And then I guess the last thing, a little bonus sixth topic that I didn't want, just wanted to briefly cover off on is the, the idea of recovery in a half and obviously you don't need as much time to recover from a half as you do a marathon i like to think about recovery that mirrors the taper and so if you're tapering for a week then i think you can kind of take a week of recovery post half marathon where you might be running somewhere around 50 to 60 percent of your normal volume perhaps getting out there for all the days you normally get out there, but just taking it super easy, giving your body that opportunity to get the active rest. And then from there, you know, if you've done a one week taper, I think a one week recovery from a half can, can be actually just fine depending on how the legs feel at the end of that first week. And while you'll need to potentially manage your speed work coming back from a half, I think your volume could be back to hundred percent in week two and or if you've done a two-week taper maybe take three weeks to get back to 100 percent but generally you can do kind of a one-week build back and then really jump back into it and 
I would still be careful about speed work in that second and third week after just really listening to your body and and being a little bit careful about working the the faster the the longer faster stuff but you know I think it's still good to get out and do speed work so that you're again flushing the legs in a way and just listen to your body in that period as you're building back into speed so that recovery time you're kind of one to two weeks and then you can get back into it and that's you know, one of the things that's that's nice about a half marathon is the opportunity to recover fairly quickly and potentially turn around and do another half in, say, four weeks' time. You know, I, I don't necessarily, uh, or at least I would say I would like to see at least four weeks between two half marathons, but I do think you have the opportunity, if you want to, to race multiple half marathons in a season within a given peak and potentially get something out of both and again, I kind of like to see about four weeks between those races if you're going to do it. But anywhere from four to six weeks could work. And you could kind of build off of the same training. Here in Austin, you know, we'll have people do the 3M half in January. And then four weeks later, turn around and do the Austin half as something that routinely works for the, for the runners in our world here in Austin. And you may have something similar in your world. But you do have an opportunity with halves to potentially get a couple done in a season, depending on how that goes. You can also, if you're going to structure things that way, use one of those halves as a training race, maybe that first one, where you're being a little bit more conservative and then trying to close strong and then use that second half as a more aggressive race strategy where you're really trying to get the most out of it. So you can also configure things that way and have an opportunity to build from one race to the next so there you go. Hopefully that gives you a little bit more insight into the half marathon distance. And again, appreciate all of those that asked about these questions and who are out there racing the half, whether it be your first or whether it be, you know, your 26th or 27th, like it would be for me, you know, a, a, a half raced at your peak trying to get the most out of yourself again is as worthy and powerful as a marathon. And so, so run them with pride would be my final advice as I wrap this episode. So again, thanks for the questions. Thanks for listening. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.